I want to use actually a particular psalm as the basis of what I want to share on today. And it's Psalm 121. And it's actually what the people would call a pilgrim's psalm. So it's actually uh, the psalm or the song of somebody who's on a real journey seeking for something sacred and seeking for, for, for religious reasons. So I think it's an amazing opportunity in this moment where we're living in such crazy times. Uh, there's such societal upheaval around us all at the moment and everything's so shaky. I just think uh, it's a really appropriate kind of psalm for us to, to look at, specifically because of what it focuses on. So let me, let me read the, uh, the whole psalm to you. And it's Psalm 121. Don't worry, don't freak out. It only goes for eight verses. It's all good. Uh, let's start at verse one. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. This is the, the psalmist or the songwriter asked, saying, these questions, saying these statements. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. Amazing. All right, I think this is a really appropriate psalm for us to be thinking about right now, considering where we're all at, especially here in Melbourne. It's crazy. Stage four lockdown. And uh, all sorts of things going on around us. The whole world is shaky. It's not just in Australia. People have all sorts of questions. What's going to happen to the, to the world? What's going to happen to the economy? What's going to happen to my finances? What's going to happen to my health? All these sorts of things. We're all faced with these kind of questions at the moment. So let's have a look at what we can actually learn from this. And it starts with verses 1 and 2. Let's start from there. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help Come from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. All right, what can we learn just from those two uh, verses alone? Well, we can learn, first of all, He alone is our help. Guys, He is your help. He's my help, He's your help, but he's, He alone is actually our help. You know, there's this uh, famous musical moment in an incredible movie called The Sound of Music. And it's when uh, there's, there's a song that is sung by one of the senior nuns in the, in the convent. And she starts singing this song, climb every mountain, ford every stream, follow every rainbow until you find your dream. And it's so moving and it's so powerfully emotive. And this comes at a time when Maria, who's the, the main character in the movie, the nun is at a turning point in her life and she was faced with confusion, with uncertainty, with a troubled, conflicted heart. And this was really <laughs> a humanly creative Hollywood moment to answer Maria's reality of uncertainty in her life at the moment. And in a sense, those words speak to the emotions in all of us because we're all on this journey called life. We all want to be successful. We all want to be just like in, the, in, in the, the psalm that this pilgrim has written. We're all on this journey towards something. And so as we go on this journey of life, 
uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in our hearts as we, as we have to manage and navigate the world around us. So I guess in a way, when you, when you think about the words of that song, which is so powerful and so moving emotionally, emotionally powerful and uh, et cetera, but really it poses a question to all of us. No matter where we are at in life, where do we go to look for help? And do we look for help by metaphorically climbing every mountain? Do we metaphorically ford every stream and follow every rainbow? And do we go and try and find our dream? Is that really what life's about? Is that really the great answer to the huge questions of life? You know, every generation, every generation experiences some form of trauma. As a, as a generation, sometimes it's personal, sometimes it's individual. We experience some form of trauma, some form of uncertainty, either personally or corporately, as we are right now. And so the song of this pilgrim, back to the psalm, starts by declaring where help is actually not to be found. So right now, let's go down to the, uh, you know, the, the, the foundations of how do we live our lives right now. And I believe that these, these verses here actually give us some pretty key answers. So first of all, the pilgrim, the songwriter, is declaring where help is not to be found. It's definitely not in longing for the holy mountains of Jerusalem. In other words, a religious holy site or some form of romanticised geographical place. No, he's saying no. No matter, even though we're all on this journey, that's actually not where it's to be found. He also is basically saying it's not in fleeing to the stronghold of the protective mountaintops. However you want to interpret lifting your eyes to the mountain, he's also saying it's not in fleeing to the, fleeing to the stronghold of the protective mountaintops to be safe from the marauders and the enemies that are living in the valleys. In other words, how can we look at that from our own personal life right now? In other words, it's not in, in looking to the natural world around us to protect us. It's not in looking at our money. It's not in looking at our status, not in looking at our education and all the systems that we've placed around us to truly protect us. And he also says it's not in a way. He's also referring to one of the belief systems at the time from the heathen who basically put their trust in the false gods of the mountains and the gods of the valleys. In other words, it's not looking to any surrounding belief systems that are around us right now that have no foundation for us to stand on. No, this guy, the, the person who was writing this, this pilgrim also was almost defiant in saying that the physical mountains and their perceived powers and their perceived meanings, they can't help me. He's standing there saying, I lift my eyes to the mountains as he's on his way on this pilgrimage towards Jerusalem. But he's almost defiant. This is how I read it. You might not read it like that, but I read that because the, the, the next statement that he makes shows us clearly what he's contrasting it with. He says, no, my help comes from the Lord. My only help is from God. And, you know, every single one of us eventually have to draw a line in the sand and make a courageous decision. Who is going to be our help? He alone is my help. 
Come on, guys. This is the moment. This is the moment in our lives. We are on our own. We are in our homes. We are restricted in our movements. We can't have our normal social structures around us to support us. We are facing uh, uncertainty with even the Australian economy. What's going to happen there? What's going to happen to my job? What's going to happen to my future? Are my savings going to last? Am I going to lose my job? There is so much uncertainty and yet there comes a point where each and every one of us just like a a pilgrim because we're all pilgrims like this psalmist we're all on a journey we're all on this journey in life and but all of us have to make a courageous decision at some point in our life where we draw a line in the sand and we sort of put our hands up and go all right god i surrender i'm going to make a decision that you alone are my help um, you know, and hey, don't get me wrong about the movie. It was actually my favourite movie growing up when I was a little girl. I drove everyone nuts, you know, watching it and listening to it and singing. But I certainly didn't end up climbing any mountains or fording any streams and I definitely couldn't find any rainbows to go and follow to find my dreams. And you know what? That kind of thinking is a dangerous philosophy to put our trust in, in for our own dreams. All right, so let's keep on looking at the the scripture. It goes on to say in verses 3 and 4, he will not let your foot slip. Why? Why? Because the answer is in the next phrase. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. In other words, this is what he's saying. He never sleeps on the job. He cares for his people. And he keeps a careful, jealous eye over his people. You know, when we turn to believe in him, when we turn our eyes to the Lord, we don't look to the things around us. When we don't look to the other created metaphorical mountains in in our lives that we could look to to draw our strength from. Instead, when we turn our eyes purely to him and we say, all right, God, I want to know you. I want to be protected by you. You know what? We are, then we become part of his people. It's amazing. This shows the absolute love that he has for his people. You know, in the New Testament, we're called the bride of Christ. No other entity on the earth, on the planet, is called the bride of Christ. So what's amazing about this is that he doesn't sleep on the job. He doesn't slack off. And he promises to keep you and I safe. And then we read, if you go further into verses 5 and 6 and 7, this is what it says. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. You notice how I'm emphasizing you and your Because he's making it personal now. He's already noticed you. He's watching over you. Do you know God, the Lord, is watching us? He knows us. What blows me away when I read the Bible, Old Testament or New Testament, he knows people's names. They're quoted there. They're spoken about. That's how intimate God is with every single one of his creation. But, you know, when you start to make this a very personal thing, you realize he's already noticed me. We begin to understand, actually, he's already come looking for you way before you ever went looking for him. This is so personal to God. Before you looked for him, 
He'd already found you because he already knows you and he already sees you. You know why? Because he saw you from the beginning. You know, when Jesus came onto the earth, he was God in the flesh. Made God made manifest in the flesh. He came to us. He came to the world. Why? So that we could see him. So that we could see someone right in front of us, the personification of God in the human form. So that we could see what this Lord of heaven is actually like. Well, if you read in the Gospels, and I'm going to read quickly a scripture out of uh, the Gospel of John in the New Testament. I want to show you how intimate Jesus is. Now, remember, we can talk about the Lord and it's this big, vague person that we think about up in heaven and we look up and we, uh, we can't see anything. But God so loves us that he actually sent his word and put him in the form of a human being so that we could look, touch and feel him through the words of the New Testament. And so when we read about Jesus, you're reading about the nature, the character, the heart of God, the desires of God, and the person of God himself, God the Father. It's amazing. So if you look at John chapter 1, starting at verse 43, this is an amazing example of how personal Jesus is to his people and how God is through Jesus. The next day he purposed to go into, this is Jesus talking about Jesus, he purposed to go into Galilee and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, follow me. So this is when Jesus was calling his disciples. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida of the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? So this is a personal discussion between him and Philip. So this is his friend who's gone who Philip was tagged by Jesus and then Nathanael was tagged by Philip to come and see Jesus, all right? So can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. So Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and he said to him, listen to this, behold an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Another version it says, in whom there is no guile, no deceit, no falsehood, nor duplicity. What does that tell me about Jesus right there? It tells me he knew this guy's personality. He knew actually what motivated him. All right, let's keep reading. Verse 48. Nathaniel said to him, because he's a bit shocked, right? He says, how do you know me? How is it that you know these things about me, in other words? And Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you. Wow. Wow. See, Nathaniel's thinking, I'm only here because my friend, my mate down the road, he called me here and said, come and see him. But Jesus is making it very clear. No, before Philip even called you, when you were under the fig tree. So now he, he, knows, he knows his personality. He knows who went and got him. He knows where he was standing. He says, before, you were, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered him and said, You are the Son of God. You are the King of kings. And Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So not only does he know his personality, not only has he seen him before Philip ever went and got him, 
but now he's telling him about his future. And you know what? This is the, the incredible reality about that. This is what this tells me, that he knows your name too. He knows my name. In fact, he knows, the Bible tells us, he actually even knows how many hairs we have on our head. Some of us, that's not many. Some of us, it's none. But hey, we won't go there. Um, he even knows when you need to, when you need to pray. He, he even knows what you need to ask before you ever ask for it. And you know, my, my story is that I, I, I grew up in Indonesia at the end, for the last few years of my teenage years. And um, basically God came and found me in 1979 in Indonesia. I grew up in Adelaide as a child, went to Indonesia with my family, with my dad's job for the Australian government. And I uh, thought that I was having a great time as this young, you know, uh, young woman uh, enjoying life in Indonesia. It was fantastic. But it was literally this encounter that I had with God and he came looking for me. I wasn't looking for God. This is the thing. We think we find God. No, he finds us. He, he brought this young guy into my life called Bram who became my boyfriend. And he, you know, uh, both of us were not doing anything that would have been now that I know pleasing to God in our behaviour. That's absolutely for sure. But there was this crazy kind of journey that we went on and both of us just started desiring God and we just began to talk about God and we began to be interested in the things of God. Well, first of all, we became interested in the things of witchcraft and the supernatural and I went down all that, that path. But in, it was so strange because in the context of that, I began to, it was like something woke up from this little girl from Adelaide, South Australia, in Indonesia, living this expatriate lifestyle all of a sudden, because my, my then boyfriend was leading me astray, taking me to witch doctors and all sorts of things, I sort of started to realise, you know what? If there's an evil side of things, there must be a good side of things. So it actually awakened me to the reality of God. And at the same time, we began to talk about things from the Bible because he'd grown up in church. I'd grown up sort of knowing a little bit about church and going to church a little bit. But in the, in the end... God, it's like he just grabbed me by the scruff of the neck and he said, you know what, Diane, you're mine. And something transformed on the inside for me. I began to change from the inside out. And so did Brahm. It was absolutely amazing. And our lives changed. The first time we really began to pray, we didn't know anything. We were living in one of the most secular cities in the world at that time. 1979 in Jakarta in Indonesia. And yet in that time of living together with my boyfriend, living a lifestyle that was totally normal for someone who wasn't going to church, who wasn't, you know, following Jesus, totally what people we would think is normal now. But God came in and he began to transform me. And I started wanting different things because it's like he, he grabbed me by the scruff of the neck and he said, all right, Diane, I've got you now. And you know why? why he does that, why he watches over you, why it's personal to him, why he's protecting you, why he's watching over your very life, we just read in verse 7, is because he cares for you. He actually cares for you. He says he will keep you safe. You know, because Jesus as God in the flesh wants to care for you, in the Bible, in the New Testament, you can find it in, in, in the Gospels, it talks about him being a good shepherd. 
And he will actually lead you and I like a good shepherd leads his sheep to safe places, to still waters, to green pastures. And I can honestly say here now, this is 40 years later now, walking with God. And of course, you know, my boyfriend became my husband. We've been married 40 years now. And who would have thought here we are pastoring church and and doing all sorts of things that we're doing. When I look back to what I was like, only God could have come and found me. And I can look back and realize how much he has protected me. So let's go to the final, the final verse. And let's, let's, let's have a look at here. Verse eight. It says here, Psalm uh, 121 verse eight. The Lord will watch over you, your, over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. Wow. In other words, he actually has an ongoing plan for your life, your comings and your goings, where you're going, where you, how you're navigating life, where you're journeying through life, even your job decisions, your marriage decisions, your relationships decisions, your, your uh, everything that you, all these decisions that you as an individual make. You know, the Bible tells us God is actually omnipresent. He's, he's omniscient. In, in other words, he's everywhere. He knows everything and he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. This is the God that we can put our trust in, that the psalmist, going back to, to the original verse, this is where we can put our trust, guys. It's incredible when we realize this. So not only does he, is he our help, not only uh, does he never sleep on the job, not only has he already noticed you, but he actually and care for you, but now we realize he actually has an ongoing plan for your life. Here's a plan for you and me right now. And I'm going to read you another scripture out of Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. What an encouragement for, for all of us. For me, this is, this, these scriptures speak to me every day of my life. You know, this is really similar to when Jesus spoke to Nathaniel. Basically, not only did he know him, not only did he see him, but he actually told him his future. He gave him, there were good works for Nathaniel to, to, uh, to walk in. But you and I, you know, Nathaniel's gone. He's, he's gone. It's you and I now. We're living in this generation now. We're the ones that are facing uh, the lockdown right now. We're the ones that are facing the condition of the world. We're the ones that are facing the uncertainty of all the conspiracy theories behind the conspiracy theories, which are behind more conspiracy theories. There is so much grappling with where do I look? What do I, what do I turn to? How do I ground myself? What sort of foundation do I place the feet of my life on? And how do I move forward? Well, when we look to him, we will be, everything will be, just begin to, to fall into place. When we realize he alone is our help. He never sleeps on the job. He's always watching us. He has noticed me. He has seen me. He does care for me. And now I know I can be settled and realize there's something for me to do. And there's something for you to do. There is something powerful for you to do. Okay? There are good works prepared beforehand before you were even born. In fact, the Bible says before you were even formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. I knew you. 
He knows us. That's what's so beautiful. He has a plan for your whole life. It is ongoing. I just want to finish with this particular scripture. It's one of my a favorite one of mine. And it's in Romans 8, 29. And uh, this is what it says. And it's a pretty heavy sort of theological one to read. But I just want to use the first part of it to really simplify something for all of us. This is the whole, I'll, I'll read the whole verse to you. Actually, I'll read it, uh, verse 29 and verse 30. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. Big word, predestined. Big discussion, predestination, all right? He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called... He also justified. I love that. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. Wow. I want to I go back to the first part. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. What does that really say to us? What does it mean to foreknow someone? It means to foresee someone. You see, there are some people that would say that predestination is just happening whether we like it or not. Well, that I would tend to disagree with that because I believe this verse here would actually say otherwise. Those whom he foreknew, therefore he predestined. So the real key to this whole thing right here is he can foresee you. He can foreknow you and I. What does that really look like for you and I? It means he foresees us. He foresees our decision-making. He foresees the choices that we're going to make. He foresees our character, just like Jesus could foresee Nathaniel's character. He can foresee the, the, uh, where we are in life, what we're doing. Nothing is missed by God. And he foresees who you and I really are and therefore based on the foreknowledge of how we will make our decisions making going forward, therefore he predestined us to become conformed to the image of his son. And you know what? That's why, you know, on the other hand, people say predestination is it. But then in, I believe it's in Romans 10, I haven't looked it up. I, I think it's in Romans 10, it says, how will they hear without... Uh, the word of God going out there, how would they hear without a preacher? How can we respond to, the, to, to faith and respond to God if there's no one preaching the truth? So in other words, for God looks, he, God looks down and he sees our decision-making process, but at the same time, he makes sure he sends people along. Even right now, what I'm doing is me preaching the word of God, declaring the truth that is in the scriptures, that, are, that is in the Bible. I'm not making this up. This is what is in the Bible. I'm saying, come on, guys, we can trust him. We can look to God the Father through Jesus Christ, the Son. Because he will now foresee the decisions that you make based on the challenge that is, is coming to us, even through this message that I'm sharing with you today. You know what? It's like what I said before. Every one of us is a pilgrim on this journey called life. But we certainly don't have to go climbing mountains, fording streams, chasing rainbows to make the fulfillment of our dreams come to pass. No, scrap all that, get rid of all that and just look to him. Make a decision. Make a decision. It's powerful. When we do that, 
guess what? He's already foreseen. He already foreknows you. It's no coincidence that you're listening right now. You know what? He saw Nathaniel under the fig tree. Well, he saw you where you were sitting this morning before I started speaking because he knows you, he loves you, he cares for you, he's not going to sleep on the job, he's protecting you, he's watching over you. And you know what? He's got an incredible plan for you, a beautiful plan for your life to settle your heart, to secure your life, to give you an abundant life. And I don't mean in wealth and I don't mean all of that sort of stuff. That's just, that's, let's not even go there. This is about the abundance of a heart that knows God. That's what he wants for you. That's his plan. And out of that knowing him will come incredibly good works an ability to love your neighbours as yourself, an ability to respond in love instead of fear, an ability to speak words of grace in your home instead of words of death and words of, words of anger and words of unforgiveness and all those sorts of st- things, you know, that we, 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 that's what comes out of our lives. And yet he says, no, I've actually got a good plan for you. So in conclusion... Let me just reiterate the aspects that we've, that we've sort of really thought about here. This is the pilgrim's journey. You know, the Psalms, there are about 15 Psalms. I think it's from Psalm 123 to 134. There was, uh, let me just read a little thing that I, that, I, uh, that I have here. Any one of the 15 Psalms in the series from 120 to 134, sung by Hebrew pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem. This is what they were doing. They were attending three pilgrim festivals and it was also possibly while they were ascending Mount Zion on all the steps of the temple. So these psalms were written as people journeying towards the holy city. But you know what? It's a different time now. Jesus has come and he's paid the price for us to be his people. We live in him now. We become his people. He alone is our help. He never sleeps. He's already noticed you. He cares for you and he has a plan for you. So let's begin this journey by crying out to him. So listen, I just want to finish now and I'm actually going to pray. I'm going to pray for anyone who's listening right now. I know what it's like to be in Melbourne in the middle of all this right now. So let's just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single one of these people who are listening. Father, every single one of these precious people, Lord. You know them so well, Lord. You know what's in their hearts right now. You know the fears. You know the anxieties. You know the concerns. You know the battles that they're going through. You know everything that they're facing. You know the circumstances. You know the arguments that they just had with their wife or with their husband. You know the nasty words that were just spoken out. You know, Lord, about their financial things that are going on, God, that are absolutely paralyzing them at the moment. You know all these things, God. You know the fears for their health. You know the fears for their loved ones, for their aged parents that they can't go and see at the moment. Lord, or maybe there are even the elderly listening right now and they're alone, they're feeling very alone. Well, Lord, 
no matter how old we are or how young we are, we are all on this journey called life. And it's hard at the moment. But Father, you are our help. You alone are the only help that we can run to. You alone are the one that we set our eyes on. So Father, I pray that there would be a new peace that will come into the heart of every person listening, that there would be such a such a joy that would begin to take over. Father, whether there's been fear, let there be faith. Where there's been anxiety, let there be peace. Where there's been confusion, let there be clarity. Where there's been hopelessness, let there be hope. Father, where there's been weakness in their emotions and in their hearts, they feel like their hearts are failing them, let there be strength, God, that only you can provide. And Lord, we thank you that, yes, you are a good shepherd and you are leading us. And we love you with all of our hearts and we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.